in the New Testament. Not only do we see it when Jacob wrestled at Peniel, but we also see it in the book of Daniel. Daniel, the Bible says, was when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego decided that they were going to make a stand for the Lord. They were going to stand for the God of heaven. They were going to make a stand in their faith. And when Nebuchadnezzar said, you've got to bow to the golden statue, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, well, king, whatever you do to us, we're not going to bow. We know God can deliver us. But if he does not deliver us, we're still not bowing. It's amazing. And so what happened? These three Hebrew young men were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. And the Bible says they threw three men in, but as they looked into the flame, they saw a fourth man. And they said the fourth man was like unto the Son of God. Now I think it even, it even goes deeper than that. I don't think he was just like unto the Son of God. I think he was the Son of God. The pre-incarnate Christ coming alongside those who stood in faith. I'm telling you this, I've told you before and I'll tell you again, you plus Jesus is always in the majority. You may think you're standing alone. You may wonder why nobody else wants to stand with you. Do not be afraid, child of God. When you make a stand for the Lord, I can promise you he's going to go through whatever you face right there by your side. I'm not telling you he won't keep you out of the fire. I'm not telling you he won't keep you from persecution, but I am saying this, he will go with you through the fire. He will go with you through persecution. He will stand beside you, and folks, that's worth it all, just knowing that he's with you, experiencing that great fellowship with him as we make a stand for the Lord. That's what happened with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So I believe in person Jesus appeared throughout the Old Testament. If you believe it, say amen. Not only do we see him in person, through the the, the pre-incarnate Christ being there among his people doing his work, but we also see prophecy concerning the the coming Christ. As I told you before, all throughout the Old Testament, there are 313 separate prophecies concerning the Messiah. Does anybody know what Messiah means? It means deliverer. God started all the way back in Genesis chapter chapter number 3. And he said that there would be a deliverer who would come. And in verse number 15, he said he would be born of a woman and that seed of the woman shall crush the head of Satan. That is a prophecy concerning the the coming deliverer, the coming Messiah. Do you realize there's 312 more separate prophecies concerning the first coming of the Jewish Messiah? Do you realize that Jesus throughout his life and earthly ministry fulfilled all 313 prophecies? Now folks, I want to tell you something. I don't think that's a coincidence, do you? Matter of fact, I believe that's the the, the very reason God gave these prophecies. He gave the prophecies through the prophets of the Old Testament so that when the Messiah came, that, that, that listen, they would recognize who he was. That's what always amazed me about the Jewish religious leaders. These are people who had read the Old Testament scriptures and the prophets since they were knee high to a grasshopper. They studied them daily in the temple. They knew what to look for when the Messiah came. But when he came and stood stood right before him, listen to me now, doing the things that were written on the pages of Scripture, doing the things that only God could do, they completely missed the Lord. There they were in the presence of the Son of God and God the Son, and they missed Jesus altogether. You say, brothers, do you think it's possible to be in the presence of God and miss Jesus? Absolutely. 
If you stand in rejection of who he is and what he's done, that's what they did, and we can and sometimes do do exactly the same thing. You can be in a service just like this where the presence of God is moving or the presence of God is powerful. Listen, you can be in God's presence and miss out on Jesus. What a shame that would be if we did so. It's a shame for them. It's also a shame for us. Many times Jesus appeared in person. It's all throughout the Old Testament where where we see him in the prophecies. Hebrews 10 and 1 says that the law or what was written under the old covenant was a shadow of the good things to come. Everybody say good things. I mean, we got a, a new covenant. And the Bible says our new covenant under grace is based upon much better promises. All that was going on in the Old Testament was foreshadowing the good things coming in the New Testament. From Genesis all the way to Malachi, listen, the scriptures point to the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes he appeared in person, sometimes he appeared in, in prophecy, but there are other times that Jesus appears in pictures, shadows, types, all throughout The Old Testament scripture. Brother, if you will, please put the lights up for me. Genesis chapter number 12 is one of my absolute favorite places where we see a perfect picture of the Lord Jesus. Genesis 12, starting in verse number 5, is where we're going to be looking at this morning. Just to to catch you up on what's happening here in Exodus chapter number 12 um, and verse number 5. If you remember the nation of Israel, God's chosen people all throughout the Old Testament, listen to me now, they were once in bondage to slavery to a place called Egypt. Y'all remember that? They spent over 400 years there. And the people of God began crying out unto the Lord because they were being treated very badly. Listen, and I'm thankful this morning, God heard his people's cries then, and how many of you believe this morning he still hears his people's cries today? They were crying for deliverance. They were desperate for God to do what only God could do. And so what the Lord did, he called his man Moses to go to Pharaoh, the leader of Egypt at that time, the emperor in Egypt, really the emperor of the known world at that time. Egypt at that time was a world power. And he said, Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh and you need to tell him the great I am has sent you and that he needs to let my people go. And so that's exactly what Moses did. He goes to Pharaoh. He tells him exactly what the Lord said to tell him. But Pharaoh, if you remember, began to harden his heart. And he wouldn't let the people go. And so what God did was level several different plagues against Egypt. Started with the the plague of blood. Lice. Boils on cattle. Boils on people. These plagues were leveled against the people of Egypt, against the livestock in Egypt, against the beast, the man, the, the men and women, also uh, against the land itself. God was completely and totally passing judgment on those who chose to reject what he had said, to walk in disobedience. Pharaoh kept hardening his heart. And nine plagues God sent against the nation of Egypt. And then finally in Exodus chapter 12, God said, all right, that's enough. I'm fixing to bring you out of bondage so that I can bring you into the place of blessing. I'm bringing you out of Egypt and carrying you to the promised land. (laughs) And so with, and God made it clear the way I'm going to do it is through the blood of the lamb. 
And so what God told Moses, he said, Moses, you've got to get yourself a lamb. Each family, each house has to provide a lamb. And the lamb then is what's going to differentiate the people of Israel from the people of Egypt. Because God says this, I'm going to send my death angel. And my death angel is going to come through the land. Listen to me now. And every house that's not marked with the blood, the death angel is going to come in and the firstborn's going to die. And so look what happens. God then describes the lamb. Now listen, this description of the lamb is super important for us to remember. First of all, you'll see in Exodus chapter 12 in verse number five, this just couldn't be any old lamb. Exodus 12, five says it like this. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. See, God says this has to be a special lamb. It can't be a sickly lamb. It can't be a crippled lamb. This has to be the most perfect lamb that you've got if you're going to bring it as sacrifice unto the Lord. So it had to be a special lamb, a lamb without spot, a lamb without blemish. Not only did it have to be a special lamb, but you'll see down in verse number six, it had to be a slain lamb. This lamb had to die. It had to be killed. And you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. The lamb had to die. Had to be a special lamb, but then it had to be a slain lamb. Now watch. This is also, though, a saving lamb. Look at verse 7. And they shall take the blood and strike it on the two sides of the, of the doorpost upon the houses wherein they shall eat it. And, and listen to me now. And they shall eat the flesh in the night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with their herbs they shall eat it. Now, what's God saying? The way that the each home is going to be differentiated from the home of the Egyptians before when the death angel gets there is if he sees the blood being applied to the left side of the doorpost, to the top of the doorpost, and to the right side of the doorpost. Yes, it was a slain lamb, but it was a saving lamb. And the way it became a saving lamb when the death angel came is if the blood was applied by faith. How many of you know it took faith? to take the blood and strike it on the left side, strike it across the top, and strike it down the right side. It took faith for the people to believe exactly what God had said. The Bible says it like this. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? The word of the Lord. Amen. And so these people heard what God said through this man Moses and chose by faith to believe it and did exactly what God told them to do. And guess what happened? God came through the land of Egypt and the firstborn in every Egyptian house from the least to the greatest, even to the house of Pharaoh, from the prince to the pauper, every firstborn child was killed in those homes. But the Bible tells us when that death angel saw the blood applied to each home, he passed over that house. And so what we have in Exodus chapter 12 is the Passover, amen? The Passover that is a type and shadow of the passion. That's the title of my message this morning, from the Passover to the passion. How many of you know Jesus, his passion was the cross. His time of suffering was the cross. And I submit to you this morning, Moses provided the lamb, Moses presented the lamb, but Jesus was the lamb that took away the sin of the world. 
You say, Brother, how do you know that? Well, I know it because the Bible tells me so. John chapter number 1, brother, if you will please, and verse number 29. John 1, 29, the Bible says it like this. I love this verse. If you're taking notes, and I hope you are, write this down. The next day John sees Jesus coming unto him and and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, watch this now, which takes away the sin of the world. Everybody see it? Jesus is the Lamb of God. John the Baptist saw him come and looked over at the ones who were following him at that time himself. And he says, behold, look, there's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. What distinguishes Jesus as being the Lamb of God? How many of you know he too is a special Lamb? He's the Lamb without spot and without blemish. In the book of Luke chapter number one, you remember the story of how the angel Gabriel came to Mary. Mary was a virgin, a spouse to a man named Joseph. And I think it's in about verse number 35, 34, 35 in Luke chapter one. The angel tells Mary, he says, Mary, you're going to conceive and bear a son. And you're going to call his name Jesus. He is the Son of God. This holy thing that will be born to you will be God's Son. Can you say amen to that? And Mary said, well, there's no way that can happen. I've never known a man. And what did the angel tell her? He said, Mary, listen to me now. You're going to be overshadowed by the Holy Ghost. And listen, you will conceive by the Holy Ghost and you are going to bear the Son of God. Right there it is. And the angel said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the high shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Now why is this important? When Jesus was born, he was not born of the seed of man. How many of you know everybody born of the seed of man or the seed of Adam is born into spiritual deadness? Born into sin. David himself said, in sin did my mother conceive me. It's true for all of us. When Adam sinned in the garden, sin became a cancer that was passed down generation to generation to generation all the way down to you and me. So when we come here, we don't have to do one thing to be a sinner. Do you know it? We were born into it. Each and every one of us. What differentiates Jesus from everyone else. He was born sinless. Not born of the seed of man, but the seed of God himself. Are you getting me? The virgin born, perfect born, son of God, who is God the son. He's a special lamb. Not only was he perfect in his birth, but listen folks, he's also perfect in his life. 1 Peter chapter number 1, verse number 18 and 19. Watch what the scripture says that right there. 1 Peter 1, verse number 18. Watch how the Bible puts it. For as much as you know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. Verse 19 says, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb, watch this now, without blemish. And without spot. What's that mean? He was born perfect, but folks, he also lived perfect. For 33 and a half years, he never even had a bad thought. For 33 and a half years, he never sinned. 
He was born perfect, he lived perfect, and he died perfect for you and for me. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, he who knew no sin became sin so that we might be called the righteousness of God in him. What's that verse talking about? It's talking about the fact that when he was on the cross, my sin, your sin, the sins of all the world was placed upon him. He was judged for our wrong, not for his. He took my punishment. He took your punishment. He took my shame. He took your shame. It's Jesus that paid the price and said we could go free. He's a perfect lamb, the special lamb, perfect in birth, perfect in life, perfect in death, but he's also a slain lamb. We cannot celebrate Easter without talking about Good Friday. We, got, we have to remember the price that was paid. I've told you this before, I will keep telling you folks, salvation has always been free by grace through faith. But salvation has never been cheap. The Bible says we were paid for with a price. It took the life, the blood of God the Son and the Son of God being shed for us, for us to be redeemed. Amen? He was beaten. He was nailed to a Roman cross. Listen to me now. The crown of thorns was placed upon his head and the blood that was spilled was for the redemption of my sin and yours. He's a slain lamb. He was killed for you and for me. But how many of you know he's also a saving lamb? How are we saved? The same way they were saved from the death angel. By faith, the blood of the lamb is applied to the to the door frame of our heart. Can you say amen? By faith, we trust in the finished work of Christ. And the Bible teaches that the blood of Christ is then applied to us. By faith, we trust that he died for our sin. A lot of people know that Jesus died, but they don't really know why. Let me tell you why he died. Because you were on your way to a devil's hell. Because you were a sinner. Because you were condemned. I was condemned. We were condemned. And the only way we could be set free, the only way we could be made right with God is, the, is through God doing what only God could do. And he sent his son to do it for each and every one of us. So we need to understand, we must remember Listen to me, folks. It was for us he paid the ultimate price. Not just that he died, but it was for my sin, my wrong, he died. When we come to that realization, we place faith in his finished work, his death, burial, and resurrection. The Bible says then we too can be saved. Ephesians 2 and 8, for by grace are you saved through faith. It is not of works, lest any man should boast. Not of ourselves. It's, something, it's not something we can do, we can achieve. He's already done everything necessary. I submit to you this morning, Jesus is the Lamb of God. If you believe it, say amen. amen. I submit to you this morning that he is a special lamb. He is a slain lamb. And he is a saving lamb. If you believe it, say amen. Oh, folks, listen to me. I cannot think of a better time for you to get right with God who loves you
than at Easter time. If you're here this morning and you've not yet been born again into the family of God, then this is that we're fixing to do an invitation before we have communion. Listen, if you need to be saved today, why not right now? The Apostle Paul warns against taking the cup of communion unworthily. Let me tell you how we partake of the cup of communion unworthily. If you're here this morning and you've not yet been born again, your sins have not been washed clean by the blood of the Lamb. Listen, you drink of the cup unworthily if you've not yet been saved. If you're a child of God and you are harboring unconfessed sin in your life, you drink the the, the cup of the Lord unworthily and there's danger in that. So what I want to happen during this invitation If you're here this morning and you know you need to be born again, then I'm going to ask you to come forward and listen. I'm going to share with you in the Word of God what it truly means to trust in Christ. Again, walking an aisle don't save you. Being in this church don't save you. I certainly can't save you, but Jesus can. The same Jesus who can, who has saved me, can and will save you. If you are a child of God, you just need to get some things right with the Lord. This altar's always open. Whatever you need this morning, you come. Brother.